0: What's up Dolphins fans this is Kyle Krabs and on today's episode of Locked on Dolphins we're going to be exploring the roster looking for potential trade candidates amidst the upcoming 2021 NFL trade deadline the Miami Dolphins at one and five may end up being sellers and if that's the case we're going to explore which members of the team would make the most sense to field some phone calls for.
1: Locked On Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What is up Dolphins fans? Welcome here to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, October 20th, which means you're about 2 weeks away from the NFL's trade deadline. And we're going to dig into some trade candidates here on today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's the unofficial community center of communities everywhere. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, uh, lifelong Dolphins fan, director, scouting at the uh, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. I know there's a lot of great podcasts out there and there's a lot of guys out there in the media and in the Dolphins realm right now who are working really hard uh, to keep this season in as much perspective as we possibly can. And I, I tip my hat to everybody right now who's Uh, Waiting their way through 2021, which is all we can really do. And and here on Locked on Dolphins, uh, the attention is going to shift to trade candidates, which is not a spot I expected to be. uh, But just about everything as far as the way that 2021 has gone to this point in time is not the way I expected it to be. So let's be honest. Miami's one in five. You got Buffalo coming. Um, not this week, but the week after, and they're coming off a bye, and they're coming off their uh, second loss of the season to Tennessee on Monday Night Football, which they're going to stew on for two weeks. Uh, Not a good matchup for Miami when you consider Miami hasn't beaten them in like three years to begin with. So that's going to be a tough sell for a win. You do have Atlanta and Houston as two winnable games in the next three games as well. But even still, it's hard to, I mean, it feels like Miami's never going to win again, and they're going to, but uh, and at 1-5, you're assuming a potential loss uh, to Buffalo in this stretch. Even if they win the other two games, you're looking at 3-6, and six. and um, that's probably going to put you officially on the outside looking in. I, I know the AFC's kind of in a weird spot, uh, but then again, after Houston, you got Baltimore, who's looking excellent this year. So uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit, I think it is time and and worthwhile to start introducing this conversation if Miami is going to be sellers. What makes a good trade deadline candidate? That's an important question that we have to acknowledge and start with. Fringe roster players aren't really going to move the needle at the deadline. And every once in a while, you're going to get an Isaiah Ford who gets traded like last year, right? And it's for like a... two years in advance, conditional sixth-round pick. And maybe something like that happens. But if something like that happens, it's kind of circumstantial. It's not really something that is going to move the needle. We're
1: looking at big-picture potential, bigger-wavelength moves here on today's show. So, If we're applying the scale
0: that I used to assess the roster last week, which, if you missed when we were looking for long term building blocks, I'd highly recommend you guys go and check it out because it puts a lot of this uh, conversation on who is who on the Dolphins roster into perspective. We worked pretty hard to identify who the long term building blocks are under a certain set of criteria as young players, physically talented players. players who are under contract for an extended period of time. They bring a certain quality to the field as far as skill level. So what we're going to do is we're going to go position room by position room. We're going to reintroduce who we think the building blocks are. And then we're going to introduce who we perceive to be viable trade candidates in that room. If you are considered a long-term building block, you're probably not going to be somebody that I would advocate to trade at the trade deadline. You don't trade guys just to trade guys, especially if they're somebody you can see being a piece of your puzzle for the next three years. So there's nobody that I'm, I'm sitting here calling a long-term building block that I'm going to say,
1: yeah, we should trade this guy the deal at the deadline. Quarterback room, let's get right into it. Tua Tonga-Valo, Jacoby Brissett,
0: Reed Sinnott. Uh, Tua Tonga-Valo we have down as an incomplete evaluation. Uh, If we like what we see over the course of the next 11 games, and if we see what the kinds of things that we saw against Jacksonville, we should certainly consider him to be a long-term building block. Uh, This is an investment. I I think the big risk, potential risk here to calling him a definitive long-term investment or a long-term building block at this point of time is if there is a regime change in any capacity, that may throw a stone in this. And then, of course, there's the rumors of said quarterback in the AFC South who are not going to really entertain that discussion right now. But uh, there there is a certain pressure to transition into win-now mode from uh, perceivably ownership, that, that we need to flip the switch. And if there's an impatience there, it seems like one of the driving forces is somebody within the hierarchy of the Dolphins uh, would at least entertain that maneuver. So, yeah, I think this is an evaluation for Tua, and I don't think we can definitively say he's a slam dunk, but the guy played really well with the exception of a handful of plays like we went over on Monday against Jacksonville. So Dan Orlovsky had some nice things to say about Tua's game. That's all great. Now the challenge is you got to go out and do it again against Atlanta, and then you got to show that you can sustain it against playoff-caliber teams like Buffalo. No trade candidates in the quarterback room as far as I'm concerned. The running back room, I have Miles Gaskin, who is classified as an adequate starter. Not a quality starter, not a franchise cornerstone, an
1: adequate starter. But if he plays like he did against Jacksonville, he's going to have me re-questioning that evaluation as well. 24 years old,
0: under contract through 2023. I wouldn't say anybody's off the table here, especially because you do have Savon Ahmed. Um, Malcolm Brown's an expiring contract. I really don't think he's going to move the needle for anybody. I don't think there's anybody that, you, know, you know, Malcolm Brown's a replacement level player. I think Savon Ahmed is potential quality depth player for you. Uh, you're You're missing either a quality starter or a franchise cornerstone in that room in general. So that this building of this room is not done. But in the meantime, I don't foresee anybody having enough value that's really going to prompt a team to be interested. But that's going to change here when we get to the wide receiver room. I have two quality starters, neither of which because of injury concerns and age, I am classifying, and contract situation, I am classifying as long-term building blocks. Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Throughout the course of this offseason, I was ready to say, hey, we need to transition away from Devontae Parker. Uh, Will Fuller is much more the style of receiver that Tua Tungvaloa, uh we perceive is going to have success with. I would flip those guys out and have Will Fuller be a long-term building block for this receiving core moving forward. Nope. I've seen enough. <laughs> He's on a one-year deal uh, through 2022. Uh, if you want to re-sign him, it's probably going to be six to eight million dollars per season, based on the fact that this season, this year has been a flop for him. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster re-signed in Pittsburgh on a flop season for seven million dollars this past year. So you got Will Fuller on an expiring contract; he's on IR right now. I don't remember what the, what the rule is, but you can trade players on IR. And then Devonte Parker, who's under contract through twenty twenty four. Uh, is only owed an outstanding $5.4 million in guaranteed money starting in 2022. He's 28 years old, hamstring issues left and right. And if you told me I could get something of substance for either one of these guys, I'm taking it. Uh, These are quality starters when they're healthy. Their problem is they're never healthy uh, or very rarely healthy, let alone any significant stretch of time. So for Devontae Parker, the fact that you've got him under contract through 2024, the fact that you uh, do have him as a player who can win in contested situations, he is fairly diverse, he does attack the ball, I think there's a reasonable market for him if you look at playoff teams. Uh, The question is, who are playoff teams that are in need of a wide receiver? Well. I think the Green Bay Packers, and I think Devontae Parker stylistically fits the Green Bay Packers, although Green Bay uh, probably was was some of the injuries they have on the other side of the ball might be an even bigger player for uh, somebody when we get over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, The Dallas Cowboys have Michael Gallup on IR, uh, but he should be coming back, and they still have CeeDee Lamb, they still have Amari Cooper. Gallup's uh, expiring contract at the end of the year. If Gallup was going to miss an extended period of time, I think you can, might be able to make a case for Dallas. I think Dallas is a really attractive trade candidate for us in general, for, for teams we're going to entertain. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, I know they've got big defensive needs as well, but uh, uh, they, they, outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, if they wanted to really fancy up their wide receiver room, uh, Devontae Parker could be a viable fit there. And then the Cleveland Browns, who Aldell Beckham Jr. Ha- has struggled, and Jarvis Landry's been uh, hurt. I believe he's on IR. He will return at some point. Uh, but even outside of that, you no, know, it's Donovan Peoples Jones. It's Rashad Higgins. Like, Devontae Parker would be a big upgrade over those. So, that's just a handful of potential wide receiver hungry teams. Uh, and then the New Orleans Saints, I would also classify as well uh, as potential playoff teams that are wide receiver hungry. Devontae Parker is probably more attractive for the fact that he's got several years left on his deal. But Will Fuller is arguably the more dynamic player. And Will Fuller was almost traded by the Texans to Green Bay last year. Houston wanted a two. Green Bay offered a four. They couldn't come to middle ground. They didn't agree on a third-round pick. And it was kaputz. It was done. It didn't get done. Will Fuller stayed in Houston and then left Houston in free agency. And Houston got nothing for him. So I think that's an interesting one. There's a history of interest with Green Bay and Will Fuller. If Green Bay is going to offer a four again in a contract situation again, you know, you ideally don't want to spend $10, $11 million for a fourth round pick. Um, But I'm probably taking that deal, considering Will has given us next to nothing this season. Uh, His body language when he was playing and he wasn't getting looks down the field with some of the aggressive opportunities with Jacoby Brissett on the field. Um, I don't know, man. Like, you got a lot of young guys, and, and I look at what's going on on this roster right now and what's going on in this team, and there is a, a lot of negative energy. And if you're going to come into the game and you're going to miss the first two weeks— and you're not going to practice all the training camp, and they're going to be throwing your hands up in the air because you're not getting the ball down the field, or they're not pushing the ball even if somebody else is open, and you're frustrated with the quarterback making reads,
1: and you're here on a one-year deal like trying to prove yourself, like, you're not going to get too much leeway from me. So if you
0: told me I could trade Will Fuller for a four to Green Bay, who, which was apparently what their offer was to Houston last year, I'm going to probably do it. Devontae Parker, uh, I, I would because he does have a, a little bit more extended shelf life. Uh, he's a year older, he's not as dynamic, a different style of player. I would h- probably hope that the extra years on his contract, he's got two extra years on his deal, might be able to get you to leverage into like a conditional third round range, a very late three. Um, but I don't think you're going to get much higher than that. Maybe you send a pick with Devonte and get back a firm three, but I don't think you're getting a two like Mohamed Sanu. I know Mohamed Sanu is a great example of like, he went for a two, anybody can go for a two. And maybe a team gets super desperate. Maybe a team gets hurt at wide receiver this, this week and is super desperate and Miami takes advantage of that. But in my opinion, uh, the, the building blocks, the long-term players that I have written down most guaranteed to be long-term building blocks to the wide receiver rumor. Jalen Waddell, potentially Limbo and junior uh, Preston Williams is a restricted free agent. He can come back. No questions asked, but the rest of these guys, Albert Wilson's an expiring contract. Matt Collins is an expiring contract. I would still bring Matt Collins back, but even then I think he's a quality depth player. I really don't think he moves the needle for you as a every down receiver. Alan Hearns, I would cut tomorrow and not lose any sleep over if, uh, if I needed the cap room to do so. Uh, Isaiah Ford, Travis Fulgram, Kirk Merritt. Like these guys are all young, they're all, but they're all expiring contracts this year. Limbo Bowden Jr.'s on IR. He's super cheap because you traded from him, and the Raiders picked him in the third round, and he is pretty versatile. And Jalen Waddell, obviously, is a first-round pick this year. Parker and Fuller, I'm sorry, man. Like I, I can't marry guys to myself to guys that aren't available because they're banged up all the time. My expectation for Parker would probably be a three Fuller. I know that pre-existing relationship interest is there for a four. Um, I would entertain either one of those if the, that market did exist. Dolphins fans, have an incredible app for everyone who buys gas and what they need to know. It's called Get Upside. Listeners of this show are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get up to bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card like Amazon or other Browns.
1: Just download the free Get Offside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. The tight end room. I have Mike Gusecki down for uh, a
0: long-term building block and a quality starter if he gets a contract extension. But here's the thing. I'm watching this season play out, and I understand the writing on the wall was with that with this regime, there might have been some question about... Do you invest long-term in this guy if he can't play with his hand in the dirt? But, like, one of two things is going to happen. Either Brian Flores is going to continue to be the head coach of this team, and he's going to step out of the way, and he's going to turn the keys to his offense over to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, in which case Mike Gusecki is almost assuredly going to have more value, or... You make a coaching change in general, and I'd be willing to bet if you did, you're chasing an offensive coach with your next coach, and that coach is going to want Mike Kisecki on the roster. And somebody made a great point. I think it was Marcos on Twitter uh, to me after what I had to say about that yesterday on the show, and he was like, why would Mike want to come back here? To which I say, touche, but to which I would also say, you were going to have the opportunity to use the franchise tag two years on this guy if you need to, to get the environment stable and get him... Involved, but I'm watching it Mike play, and Mike is like the most enthusiastic player. He and Jalen Waddle on the offensive side of the football. I, I appreciated the two the energy that two have brought. I love seeing Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson running downfield celebrating when one of these guys makes a big play. Like I see you guys, but it is Mike, Mike, and Mike as far as the guy who is constantly jawing, getting guys fired up leading by example, he's super motivated and like either Brian Flores is going to hire somebody competent to run the offense and it's going to get fixed or they're going to make a change and they're probably going to go after an offensive guy who's going to value Mike much higher than what the current regime and the current status quo is. So I know up until this point, it's kind of been like, oh, well, the writing's on the wall. They drafted Hunter Long. You got all these big-bodied receivers. I'm out of that school of thought right now because at the end of the day, Mike's your best player on offense, period. You should be getting him. He should be running Y-cross in that deep over route that he ran against Jacksonville and had four catches for 20-plus yards. He should be running it all the time until somebody stops him. And I have no idea why they didn't keep throwing it against Jacksonville because it was always open. There was always room in that area in that void of the field. So I'm going to consider Mike Gusecki to be a long-term building block, and as such, I'm not going to sit here and advocate to trade for uh, tr- to trade a building block, despite the fact that he is in a contract year right now. Uh, because Mike, I think going forward is going to have much more value, no matter what changes happen in the offense versus the current trajectory that we're on. Hunter Long is a third-round pick this year. I also have as a building block. I could, think he can be a really nice two-way player. Uh, which brings you to the challenge of Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe, and Seaton Carter as the other three tight ends on the roster. Uh, Shaheen under contract through 2023, Durham Smythe through 2022, Seaton Carter through 2024. I have them all as replacement level players. I don't really think like you'd get maybe like what you got for Isaiah Ford, maybe a little better, maybe like a 20, maybe a same year sixth round pick is what you would get if you tried to move one of those guys. Durham Smythe, I don't think, as as a a guy who is an expiring contract this year, I don't think he would get anything of value or substance for at all. So I don't see any trade candidates there. I don't think Miami's got the the ability to trade anybody on this offensive line. I just don't think you've, A, got the depth uh, to make a change. Um, And a a lot of these guys are, are fairly expensive um, with all the high draft picks. Um, Liam Eikenberg was a draft pick this year. He's a long-term building block. You maybe have building blocks in Jackson Hunt and Dieter, depending on uh, what they look like the rest of the year. Dieter's injured, not going to bring a value to a team throughout the end of the year, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to move him. Robert Hunt, they're pretty. Uh, I'm pretty encouraged by. I should stop saying they. It's, it's, I'm pretty encouraged by Robert Hunt. Uh, Austin Jackson was okay against Jacksonville. Again, uh, there were none of the egregious reps like he had at tackle. He's still missing blocks and slipping off of blocks and missing his punches. But like, I don't think anybody's going to trade for Austin Jackson at the deadline to be a buyer. That's going to push them through and get them to a super bowl. And that's typically what teams are buying with the objective of trying to do. So I don't don't think there's the quality of talent on the offensive line. that's going to get you there. The defensive line. You got a lot of building blocks. I have Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, Agba with a contract extension, and Jalen Phillips, all as players who I consider to be building blocks. As such, I'm not moving any of these guys. Uh, I think Wilkins, Sealer, and Davis have the ability to be quality or are quality starters. I think Jalen Phillips, as a rookie, uh, has an extremely high ceiling. Dude played his ass off against Jacksonville, flew all over the place made mistakes, got hooked a couple of times, still busted his ass and got to the sideline and made a couple of really nice tackles along the perimeter. He's spilling off of blocks. He's working over top of crackdown blocks and then spilling off the the fold block by the offensive tackle and uh, continuing to maintain gap integrity. So he looked really good, and I'm definitely not moving him. Um, Agba... I'm considering to be a uh, a contract extension just like Mike. I certainly would not advocate trading him unless somebody blew you out of the water, like a one-plus. And nobody's going to give that, in my opinion, for a guy who is in an expiring contract situation. And if I'm Miami, like, Agva's 27. He's still got a lot of good football in front of him. I'm not looking to part ways with that. Now, the rest of the front seven guys, the, the hybrid linebackers and the defensive linemen, Adam Butler and Andrew Van Ginkle, I would classify as quality depth players in a perfect world. I'm not starting either one of those guys. Butler's a sub-package guy. Uh, Van Ginkle, I think we need to see more of as a sub-package guy and playing forward. I'm continuing to watch him take his zone drops in, in zone coverage, and he's in the flat, and he's not getting outside the, the hashes, and there's a lot of easy completions to be found there. Uh, in those instances, and it's pretty frustrating. So, I don't think there's, there's anybody that's going to move the needle there, and then the rest of it is Brennan Scarlett, John Jenkins, Jabral Shearer, Benito Jones, and they just parted ways with Shaq Griffin and put Vince Beagle back on the practice squad. Nobody's tra- and, and if you're practice squad guys, you can get plucked and, and promoted to the active roster anyway. The only quality starter I have in the linebacker room is Jerome Baker, and they just gave him a contract extension. He's 24 years old. I do consider him to be uh, a long-term building block. I'm not trading him. Elan and Robertson, Duke Riley, I consider to be replacement-level players. Um, Sam McGuavin is a quality-depth player, another sub-package guy in the same light as an Andrew Butler, where he's a third-down pressure package guy and can win with some games up front. They got two practice squatters in Milo Eifler and, and Calvin Munson. So uh, I don't think there's a lot of appeal in potentially trading any of the, the bodies in the front five, but you do have six uh, long-term building blocks in will concealer, Davis, Agba, Phillips, and Baker with other quality depth options as well. Secondary is where we get interesting, folks, but not before we thank our friends at McDonald's for not only providing some delicious food, but also being a community cornerstone. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affo- affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French flies and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place for teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team to come and recharge. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did
1: somebody say a locked-on Dolphins watch party? McFlurries on me. I'm loving it. Built Bar, speaking of loving it, these folks sent me a box with blueberry muffin as a sample
0: box. And oh my God, you guys. These things are to die for. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. They got a bunch of different delicious flavors to choose from, including right now, blueberry muffin. Tastes like heaven on a cloud. So whether you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, meal replacement, post-workout, grab-and-go, midnight snack, you name it, Bilt Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order
1: of the world's most delicious protein bar. Secondary. Xavier Howard's the big fish. And Xavier Howard is a very complicated situation.
0: because Xavier Howard obviously has the injury history that he does. Xavier Howard, I have down as a roster cornerstone type player. But Xavier Howard is 29 years old. Xavier Howard has an injury history. Xavier Howard. Has a handshake agreement with the Dolphins to revisit his contract situation this offseason,
1: despite the fact that he signed it two years ago. Xavier Howard did not play against Jacksonville
0: with another injury issue. Xavier Howard has reportedly requested multiple times for a trade from the Dolphins. And I can't imagine he's having a very good time. Being a member of a one in five football team.
1: This is the potential transition. And if we we, like, we have to be honest with ourselves. The cornerback shelf life of players
0: who at the cornerback position sustain themselves at a very high level beyond
1: the age of 30. Those players are relatively rare. Uh, Those players do start to athletically slow down.
0: And this is all the conversation we had in the offseason when it was being reported that Xavier might hold out, and uh, a bunch of Dolphins fans kept kept calling it fake news, and uh, and Xavier's not holding out, he never said anything publicly, and then lo and behold, he shows up to
1: camp the first day and has a hold-in to protest his contract situation. You're gonna to have to either repay Xavier Howard at the age of thirty, moving forward,
0: with a team that has regressed and is presumably going to be coming off a losing season, or he's going to force your hand at the end of the year. So if you're not interested in bumping his pay from twelve to thirteen million dollars per season to sixteen to eighteen million dollars per season,
1: and he's gonna force your hand at the end of the year because he's this I mean he's asked for a trade two or three times now. Where like what is the value of getting this last 10 games from a guy who's getting ready to turn 30 years old? There are a significant number of teams in the playoff race who you could identify
0: as being cornerback hungry teams the Arizona Cardinals are 6-0 and Patrick Peterson's no longer on the roster they got a bunch of young dudes and they've got uh, Byron Murphy who's best suited to play inside in the slot who's paying outside corner for them now
1: because they don't have anybody else now granted it's working but if they feel like they're in it to win it like right now Steve Kine might need to be on speed dial. And I'll tell you what, Arizona and
0: Miami have done quite a bit of dis- business together over the years. They did the Ro- Josh Rosen deal.
1: They did the Kenyon Drake deal. Th- I mean, this, this has been a pipeline that exists. The Kansas City Chiefs
0: are another team who are sorely needing in any kind of defensive help that they can get. They suddenly find themselves in a dogfight in the AFC, e- uh, AFC West. Uh, The Chargers are looking very good with Justin Herbert. The Raiders, um, obviously, have had some drama over the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Broncos are floating around 500. That's going to be a tough division, and they now have lost a head-to-head to to the Buffalo Bills uh, and are going to be looking up at them in the conference standings. The Dallas Cowboys, I know they invested a bunch in, in the cornerback position in this year's draft. I know they have Trevon Diggs. But if you can supplement Travon Diggs, who has seven interceptions in six games, with Xavier Howard to play in a Dan Quinn cover three system that's going to allow Xavier Howard to keep his eyes in the backfield and hunt the football, that's a pretty exciting opportunity. And Dallas is the kind of team that will not be afraid to shy away from making a big splash. Dallas is another
1: team. Them and Arizona, I think, are very good candidates, along with Kansas City. Beyond them, Baltimore, I would classify as well. They had uh, Marcus Peters go down with injuries out for the year.
0: And then uh, Tennessee just had their first-round pick this year, Caleb Farley. And Tennessee just beat Buffalo, and they're 4-2, so they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, they just had their first-round pick this year, Caleb Farley, go down with a knee injury. His season is over as well. There's a a lot of potential buyers for Xavier Howard. And a lot of teams right now that are four and two or better and like their chances to win a Super Bowl, who would probably love
1: to have a suddenly motivated Xavier Howard. I would entertain it. I'm not giving him away. But if you give me a one and you give me or you give me a one plus, I'd probably move
0: Xavier if if we're being honest about the rebuild, we're being honest about where the team is right now. They are physically talented, but like this year's going to be a wash. And then you're either going to have to give him the pay raise and give him a, a 33% pay raise at 30 with his injury history and hope he can continue to play at a high level and survive and, and maintain his health despite all of those knee injuries that he's had throughout the course of his career,
1: knowing full well that he's been at times begrudged. It's not an easy decision to make especially if we are sitting here questioning Chris Greer's longevity as the general manager of the organization. So I understand potential apprehension on that front. Byron Jones probably, uh, I consider
0: Byron Jones to be a long-term building block. He's relatively the same age. He's relatively the same cost as Avian. Uh, He's also under contract to 2025, but he's a new addition uh, he's not begrudged. Uh, he's not looking for a pay raise. I understand he doesn't have the same ball-hawking skills. Uh, but Byron Jones, when healthy, has been generally good for the Miami Dolphins. I know he got frustrated he doesn't create the turnovers. He had two picks last year, which is equal to his entire career total before he played this season in Miami last year in 2021. Uh, and, and he made some really nice plays over the first month of the season in coverage. Now, he also missed the Jacksonville game with, I believe it was a quad. Um, I, I classify Byron Jones as a quality starter and not a roster cornerstone. Uh, but I, I think it's the peripheral stuff that has me ready to keep Byron Jones in the picture, but at least interested in exploring what you could get for Xavier Howard. The rest of this group, uh, McCourty's an expiring contract. Trill Williams is a UDFA. I'm really fascinated. He's 21 years old. He hasn't really played a lot. I don't think you're going to get any market for him. Justin Coleman's an expiring contract. I think he's a replacement level player. Noig Benogany. Uh maybe you get somebody to take a flyer on him. Um he played reasonably well against Jacksonville. The same issues that have dogged him, dogged him once again against Jacksonville, finding the football at the catch point. Maybe needs to be safety because he, he, he tackled really well. I thought he had a couple opportunities along the sideline and did a really nice job getting ball carriers to the ground. So I was encouraged to see that from Noah. I hope we see more of him. Uh, but I think his limitations, like anybody who would bring him in is like taking a flyer, right? And, and I don't know what you value that as, and I don't know that any team would be interested in adding that for a playoff run. Javaris Davis, J- uh, Jamal Perry, practice squad guys. Sanders, Pilardi, Ferguson. We're not trading Sanders. You know, I understand he missed a dumb, like a stupid long kick. I'm not going to hold the miss against him, uh, the miss in Jacksonville against him, because that was a crazy long kick. Uh, Pilardi, expiring contract. He's punted like crap the last two weeks, to be completely honest. Uh, Blake Ferguson, I don't think anybody's trading for a long snapper, which just leaves us the safety room. Javon Holland ain't going anywhere. Dude's a stud. Brandon Jones, uh, I thought against Jacksonville, they gave him opportunities to play in more spaces. Uh, I think right now he's quality depth, but I think he could be more than that. Um, I could see him potentially growing into uh, more of an every down player. Excuse me, I have him as an incomplete evaluation. As I'm sitting here talking about, "Mm, this sounds like an incomplete eval. It's because I have him as an incomplete (laughs) eval. Uh, But Eric Rowe is another interesting one. I I think Eric has a lot of value to the team for
1: um, his experience, his versatility. He's played in a number of different spots.
0: He's under contract through 2023. He is diverse. Uh, He's been really good as a pass rusher, and he's been pretty good in his run fits this year. But he hasn't necessarily played particularly well in coverage thus far this season, which, you know, I, I think playing safety and matching up against tight ends, he'll be able to uh, sustain a little bit longer. So I'm not pushing the panic button on Eric Rowe at this point. Um, but he, I mean, he got cooked against Indianapolis for two touchdowns in that game. He was targeted uh, six times, gave up six completions for 25 yards and two touchdowns. Um he did not score particularly well in coverage uh, in any of the games this season against New England in week 1 nine uh targets seven receptions for 54 yards and 33 yards after the catch. He's relatively settled down with the exception of against Indianapolis. Um Tampa Bay got him in, in coverage uh conceded one reception in that game uh, as well. But that rep was against OJ Howard, and OJ kind of big-boyed him on on an option route. So that's something I am kind of watching over the course of the next couple weeks to see how Eric uh, stabilizes his play in coverage. And it's kind of been erratic and up and down. So I would like to think Eric Rowe, who I have classified as a quality starter, can be a long-term building block for the next three years or so, so I'm not going to advocate that they entertain offers for him at the deadline. But I would also not be closed minded if somebody gave me a strong offer. I don't think you're going to get a strong offer. So, your best three options are Xavier Howard, who I have down as a roster cornerstone, but some extenuating circumstances that make it pretty challenging to see him being a long term piece of the puzzle. And then two wide receivers in Devontae Parker and Will Fuller, who could potentially bring value to a team in a playoff push uh, don't have the durability and availability to really entice me to, to pound the table for them to stay and be long-term pieces of the puzzle, despite the fact that I do have them down as quality starters, Miami can't rely on. And if we can't rely on you long-term and you guys are pushing 30 or, or getting up into your old upper twenties with continued durability questions and wanting to use an expiring contract, like let's make a deal. Somebody call us up. So we'll see what comes of it. I thought think this is a good primer for us to kind of wrap our head around who are the names we should be supportive of exploring deals. You can disagree if you like. That's fine. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. Uh, but if I were Miami, those are probably the three names that if I were going to sell, uh, I'd have at the top of my list to be soliciting phone calls about and see who wants to make me an enticing offer that I can't refuse. Uh, I hope you cannot refuse more Locked On Dolphins in your life, so make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday episode with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. we got a lot of
1: content coming down the chute, so plan accordingly, fins up, make it a great day.